Evening guys, welcome to another Wednesday midweek study. Today we're going to be finishing off the Gospel of John chapter 12. Well, obviously we haven't finished off the whole of the Gospel of John. We're going to be just finishing off chapter 12 of the Gospel of John. But before we go in, before we do a quick recap, we're just going to pray. Father, I, I praise you and I thank you for your word. I thank you for us being able to meet together, for us being able to read your word together, to study it, to go through it, and I thank you that you actually speak to us through it, that it's not um, just a book that we seek to gain as much as we can from it, just from our own understanding, but that it is a book that uh, you use to speak to us through your Holy Spirit. It uh, contains your words, your still living word. Um, Father, I thank you that it is just a, as applicable to us today as it was uh, back when it was written thousands of years ago. I pray that you would speak to us uh, tonight through your word, that you would give me your words to speak, that you'd hold me back from saying things that I may have planned to say, but you just don't want me to say. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us uh, each individually tonight through your Holy Spirit, whether it be through the main message, whether it be through um, just those little things that you want to draw out to us individually, those things that uh, through your Holy Spirit, through your individual knowledge of each and every one of us, that you want to speak to us. So Father, I pray that you would do that tonight, and uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, last week we were talking a little bit about how some people actually did believe in Jesus. You've got the group of people who don't believe in Jesus, and we spoke a little bit about that two, uh, two weeks ago. And then uh, one week ago, we then talked about the people who do believe in Jesus, but how some of those people were actually believing in Jesus, and yet they hid their belief because of the fear of men. And we spoke a little bit about that. So then Jesus now is in verse 44, where he declares, or he shouts to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. Jesus is shouting here in verse 44. He's shouting to the crowds. Everyone needs to hear this because this is one of the final proclamations of Jesus' ministry here on earth to the crowds, to the open public. It's one of the final moments of his public ministry before he goes and before he dies. This is his, basically part of his conclusion to the public to say, you have heard everything that I have taught you. Now, take that and trust in me. Because trusting in me means you're trusting in the God who sent me. Jesus reiterating that he is God's messenger, that he is carrying the heart and the voice of God. So people should listen because he shares a message greater than any man. Because this message comes from God Almighty, who has not just simply sent this message to say, yeah, go say this, but to say, go say it because I love the world and I want them to hear this message. I want them to understand this message. It is a message from the very heart of God. And so Jesus declares this open conclusion to say, if you trust in me, that means you are trusting in the God who sent me. Christ carried the heart of God, not only by his unity with God, uh, 
but also by his oneness, both as God in the flesh and through his submission to the Father as well. This oneness also meant that, as Jesus declared, if you see me, you've also seen the Father. There was that weird, perplexing statement for people to look at and say, hang on a minute, if I've seen Jesus, I've seen the Father? So you're saying, what are you saying here? Jesus is saying a lot of things here. He's saying that he's not simply like God, but he is God. He's saying that in seeing me and seeing all that I have done, you are seeing God the Father as well in that. That you are seeing God incarnate, that you're seeing God in the flesh, displays for all men to see. That he wasn't simply like God, he was God in the flesh. He mirrored the Father. That other people could look at him and they could say, I know who God is because I know who Christ is. I have seen God in the flesh. And so by seeing Jesus, I have seen God the Father because they are one. So this meant that people could actually see Christ and Christ could represent God in heart, in word, and in deed. By having that unity, by having that not simply just unity as God in the flesh, but then also having the submission to God the Father to say, as we're going to finish off uh, in our reading today, how Jesus submitted to the Father. And so he had the authority of the Father to say, hey, I am only saying what the Father wants me to say. Christ was the greatest of God's messengers and ambassadors because he was and he is God. Christ, as God, did what no man could do. He became sin for us and reigned victorious over it. The simple fact is, we don't need to really understand exactly how he did it, all the little intricacies. We really just need to understand that he did do it. We simply have to trust in Christ. That's what Christ is saying here. Trust in me. When a child goes to their parents, they don't simply have to understand the reasoning behind everything, although that helps. But the child can be obedient to the parent simply because they trust their parent, because they know their parent has the best interests for them at their heart. That a parent doesn't necessarily explain to a two-year-old, no, don't do that, because I need you to understand the thermonuclear dynamics of this certain situation here, that if you go and you do that, then these certain things will happen, and really going into the science behind it, because all of a sudden the child's going to be completely lost. They're two. You can't possibly expect them to understand something like that. The child simply has to trust in the limited understanding that it has. And likewise with us, we can trust with the limited understanding that we have. And we don't necessarily need to fully understand and comprehend everything that is going on. We simply need to say, okay, I trust you, regardless of how much I understand the intricacies of how these different things happened. I can actually just simply say, you know what, I trust you and I believe that Christ died for me upon that cross, that he bore my sins. And so I can say, actually, I'm cleansed of all my sins because I put my trust upon Christ who bore my sins for, for me in my place, that I can trust upon the finished work of the cross. There's no work required on my part to then be saved. 
that I can simply say, well, I'm saved because of the work of Christ. And so then I turn from my sin and I simply live in Christ, as Colossians 3.3 3 says, you are hidden with Christ in God. That my life is then hidden with Christ as I then live my life daily before the Lord saying, hey, I want to walk as you want me to walk. Please help me to live in that way. And verse 46 goes on as Jesus is declaring. He says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey me for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. He puts it very plainly here that he is the only light of the world. Without him, we are left in darkness. And it reminds me of growing up, we lived in a village. And as boys, it was one of the heights of entertainment for like power cuts, which, you know, our parents weren't exactly best pleased with power cuts. It was an inconvenience. It, it was all the things that as an adult, you can look at a power cut and say, that is not something I look forward to. I don't enjoy those things. But as a kid, for us, we were like, this is amazing. We can do so much. The lights went out and all of a sudden, mischief and mayhem can abound and no one has a clue what we're doing. We can set fire to random pieces of paper and run about the house. We can, you know, have fights in the dark and somehow completely trash the room. We can do all sorts of things that no one can see us doing. And so we are having a hilarious amount of fun. But for our parents, obviously, it's not exactly the best thing. Now, then, as soon as the lights went back on, mischief was then uncovered. Fights ended very abruptly and Josh and I, my brother, uh, would then say, Hey, can we turn the lights back off? We're having fun. You know, you all of a sudden, uh, you'd all of a sudden, the lights would all come back on. The house alarms would all of a sudden, you know, turn on and start going off. And then amongst all of that, you would then hear, Ah, can we turn the lights back off? No, no, we need to be, you know, our parents were like, Oh, we're in the middle of trying to do this, I'm trying to cook dinner, whatever else is going on. But we liked the dark because we hid in it. We could do all sorts of different things, all sorts of different mischievous things, and we knew no one was seeing what was going on. We liked the dark because we could hide in it. The light exposed and spoiled our fun. And it was fun, but not all of that activity in the dark was good and wholesome. You looked at the room afterwards and you were like, what on earth went on? Or you look at it and you go, hang on a minute, did someone try burning something? Oh yeah, that was me. I just, I wanted to see how much, I want, you know, if you set fire to this, you know, it's dark and you just see this thing glowing and it's really cool. That's not fun. Like, that, I mean, like, it might be fun for you, 
it's not fun for me as a parent. You know, I'm watching this, I don't want the place to burn. You know, it's not safe for you to be playing with fire in the first place. You know, we have all those different things then coming at us at that point. But it's the reminder that Christ is the light of the world and without him, we're in darkness. We hide in it, we enjoy those things that we can do in the darkness of this world, but we're also blinded to the destruction that it causes. Josh and I could run around doing these different things, and we were completely oblivious to quite how much destruction was being caused at the time. The lights went on, and suddenly we realized, oh, okay, I think we just broke something we probably shouldn't have broken. The moment we turn that light on, the moment that actually we, we say, Lord, I, I want you to expose the darkness of my life so that I can help uproot those things because I need your help to uproot those things. I need you to expose the darkness in my life because I want to live in the ways that you want me to live. The moment that we allow him to do that in our lives, we can look upon him in prayer and in the word and suddenly our world is illuminated, both the world outside of us and our lives in the midst of it. We can see clearly and have the clarity that we need in our lives. We see our sin. We see the consequences of that. We see perspectives. We see the destruction of the darkness, the destruction that darkness causes. Those seeing things and sometimes seeing, oh, okay, I can actually see through Christ that this thing, though I may not immediately notice the consequences of it, it's going to have further reaching consequences than I even realized. Christ not only illuminates our lives, allowing us to see the good and the bad things, but the darkness of the world as well, allowing us to see the world correctly through that proper perspective, through the right lens. Because Christ came to illuminate, he came to save us from our sin. Christ came to save, and though he didn't come to judge as he's saying here, we'll still be judged by the truth that we choose to ignore. Like a parent who chooses not to severely discipline their child, but after much warning and scolding, they then allow the child to reap the consequences of their actions. That, ch that parent hasn't enacted that judgment, but they have allowed that child to be judged by their own actions. The parent didn't judge, they simply allowed the child to reap those consequences. And I think of, like, when I was younger, I used to thoroughly enjoy playing with fire. And after much warning and scolding through different events, I eventually got burnt. And I got burnt more than just the occasional, like, ooh, 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 gotta be careful about that, run the hand under cold water. It was like a, I think that might be a lasting burn. Like, and I still bear the mark of that today. I learned my lesson through the consequence of my actions. So, likewise, the Lord wants us to learn and to know to obey the truth. And so Christ says, hey, here's the truth. You need to listen to this. If you don't, there are consequences to that. And so it is up to us to then say, well, okay, am I going to choose to, you know, um, say, you know what, you're right. I shouldn't, I shouldn't mess with the darkness of this world. I should actually live in the light as you are in the light. Or do we then say, yeah, but I'm having a lot of fun. I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. 
You know, this makes sense to me. All of those other excuses that we can come up with a lot of the time, whether we're choosing to walk with Christ in our lives or whether we're actively saying, no, I don't want anything to do with Christ. In both situations, we can still choose at points to walk in the darkness, to say, no, I just want to do what I want to do. And that's what we do a lot of the time. We just say, yeah, well, I may know what the right thing is here, but I just, I, I would like to do this. And so the Lord allows us to reap the consequences of that in our day-to-day -day lives. But then there's also this great consequence of, hang on a minute, we need to say, who is Christ to me? Is he my savior? Or is he someone that I'm going to choose to ignore? And that is that great judgment that we really will see the consequences of it after we die. That's when we really see the consequences of those actions. And that's what Christ is alluding to here. That, hey, I've come to save the world. I haven't come to judge it. But that judgment is going to come by choosing to ignore the truth. The Lord wants us to learn and then to know and obey the truth that he gives to us. And though Christ didn't come to judge, but rather to save, we'll still bear the consequences if we choose to ignore what Christ has done. If we choose to ignore, because Christ has the authority of God, as he states here, both to save and to speak the truth. But that cannot be ignored or trumped or anything else like that. That truth stands, so it's for us to say, am I going to accept that and be saved? Or am I going to reject that and allow judgment to come upon myself through the ignoring of that truth by bearing the consequences of that? And the beautiful thing is that though there is the consequence there, the very clear consequence and judgment through our own actions, there's also the eternal life that Christ is speaking of here. The eternal life of accepting and believing who Christ is. The fact that he came, the fact that he died for us, taking our punishment and then defeating death by, raised, by rising again, declaring for all to see that he is God in the flesh. The fact that he had defeated death, that he had defeated sin, and actually that was done with on the cross. And so we only need come to him rather than try and do this thing ourselves because we know we cannot enter heaven of our own merit. Because one tiny little thing wrong means, oh, well, that then bears consequences. But Christ said, hey, I will take upon your sin. And so Christ was able to do that as God, even in ways that we can't necessarily understand, but ways that we can say, you know what, even though I don't understand fully how that works, I can still trust that Christ has done that. So we can receive that eternal life through Christ Jesus when we choose to believe upon him, when we choose to believe and we actually put our trust in what Christ has done upon the cross, saying, I, I know there's nothing I can do. You are my only hope. <laughs> and then putting our hope and our trust upon Christ and the finished work there. And Christ did that and he spoke these things with the authority of God. He both died under the submission and the authority of God and spoke all those things in his public ministry through the authority of God. And then is then up in heaven as our mediator as 
the authority of God. And he does those things, um, and he invites us then to submit to the Father, just as he has submitted to the Father, so that we can likewise, like he was, we can be witnesses in heart, in voice, and in deed, like we were speaking about a little bit earlier, so that then we can be the light of the world through Christ, that we can shine that light, that we can reflect not our own goodness or our own light, but the light of Christ in our lives, working through us as we choose to submit to him. And then it's that fragrance for all to smell, for all to see. You think if someone wears, you know, way too much cologne, they walk past you and you're like, whoa, I can clearly smell that person, like 100%. And I probably can even guess what kind of cologne they're wearing right now. And likewise, it should be us with Christ, that we spend so much time with Christ, we actually have that relationship with him, and we allow him to work in us. We submit to him and allow him to work in and through us, that then we are the fragrance of Christ to other people, that people can smell us effectively, that they can say, hang on a minute, no, 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 that just like, that smells of Jesus, That that's not normal. Why are you forgiving that person who's clearly done so much wrong to you? Or why are you doing this kind thing to me? Or why do you... Any of those different things that we would then reflect Christ. Matthew 5, uh, verses 14 to 16 says, and this is Jesus speaking, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. And that's why we want to do it. We want to be those lights, not for our own glory, but for the glory of God the Father. And that's why Jesus Christ came, so that he could be that messenger to draw people to himself, to draw people to God and to glorify God, that then they would be saved, because the whole thing was done in love. The fact that it's not just a, okay, yeah, good, now you recognize, but as a, good, I'm glad, because in the recognition, you can receive salvation. So we are then drawn into that to say, actually, that message is open for each and every one of us here on earth. That it's no longer the old covenant that it was before of just to the Jewish people, but then it's opened up to Jews and Gentiles alike, to every single person on earth to say, hey, are you going to choose to accept or, or reject who Christ is and his message? And then if we choose to accept it, to say, okay, cool, now is your chance to be a messenger for Christ, to be someone who reflects God in heart, in word, and in deed, through the submission to God the Father. And we can be that light that listens to him in his word and through prayer and through the Holy Spirit, and then living that out by his power, because it's his light that we're shining in our lives. So we're going to end it there. And um, that is the end of chapter 12. So uh, Pastor Juan will be picking up next week in John chapter 13, because 13 comes after 12. So let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would be with each and every one of us tonight as we 
look upon your words, as we look at all that you have done, all that you continue to do. Father, I pray that we would uh, shine your light in our lives. I pray that we would uh, take your word and that we would apply it to our own lives, that we would submit to you in uh, every single little part of our lives, that uh, we would then, uh, through that submission to you, through allowing you to work in and through us, that we would be uh, a light to the world, that we would shine you, that we would glorify you in heart, in word, and in deed. And um, Father, we just ask these things, and we ask that you would help us, and that you glorify your name in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus Christ's precious and mighty name. Amen.